Hey friends, it's Angeliza. I just wanted to give a quick content warning before you listen to the following episode as well as the other two parts of this interview series. These episodes deal heavily with challenging topics like grief, loss, disordered eating, mental health struggles, and suicidal ideation, and maybe content that is a little triggering for some listeners, so listener discretion is advised. What are you? Are you your ethnicity, your career, your hobbies, your interests, your relationships, your experiences? Are you what you eat? Or maybe all of the above? (laughs) We are all human and we are so beautiful and multifaceted. So every episode, we are going to embrace our complexity and explore and uncover the many sides of our identity. I'm your host, Angelisa. Let's do it. I'm really excited about today's episode because I have a very special guest, my friend, my former classmate, my girl, Sarah Francis Hope Williams. Burr, 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 burr. Sarah Francis, welcome. Hello. Hello. Sarah Francis, who are you? Why are you here? Well, I mean, I just kind of said, but like, tell me about yourself. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, I think one of the best ways for me to put it is a, um, I am a fast talking millennial who's sarcastic <laughs> and has dead parents. So. Wow. I, I mean, just way to get to that <laughs> point. <laughs> oh my God. That is that's some solid branding. Um, you got to know who you are, you know? You right? got to know who you That's are. That's what we're and figuring out at least. So Sarah Francis and I met each other, oh my God, <laughs> over a decade ago. <laughs> yes. Oh, jeez. 2011, um, when we were classmates in the musical theater program at the Catholic University of America. And... Mm-hmm. Then we were classmates, but then I would say that we became better friends after graduation. Oh, yeah. Um, when we lived in the same apartment complex and we worked for the same, um, maybe we won't ta- say the name, but the same company. Uh, <laughs> our morning drives our morning to work. drives to work. Uh, we did a nice, cute little carpool. And then, yeah, and then... Since I've moved to New York uh, in 2020, we've stayed in touch. Um, We were a lot better about it during the peak of the pandemic, the lockdown. But uh, we've been intermittently in touch, I guess, since. But I'm so excited to talk to you because we have to catch up or do. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I'm pumped. Um, No, it's yeah, you're right. It's after graduation, I think, because. We essentially lived in a uh, 2015 musical theater class commune uh, in an apartment (laughs) complex. Uh, But not only that, like, also my roommates and you and, like, who I was living with and who you were living with, like, it was just one of those things. Like, you were constantly doing stuff with Phil. And yes, so it was like you guys working together and then we worked together. Um, Mm -hmm. And then you're right, like during the pandemic, which I won't lie, I actually thrived at the height of the pandemic. I did really well. I know not everybody else did, but 
I did well because it forced me to stop for the first time, uh, actually ever. And, yeah. uh, I was also like, I think maybe in the best health I had been in a weird way, mental health was shot, but like physical health was so good because you would be we like, worked we're, out all the time. we're just gonna, we're just gonna work out. I'm like, all right, okay, I'll be there. I got nothing else to do. Or it's like, Hey, uh, you want to go dance? Cause I got, I got shit to do. You want to, you want to come? Am I allowed to curse? Yeah. Okay, yeah. cool. I was like, Oh, how are we, are we children friendly? I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I mean, we are, if they're allowed to listen to cursing, like, I don't know. Oh yeah. I mean, again, I, I was, um, I wasn't, but it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, I wasn't allowed to curse. I was told I was very unbecoming of a lady, but I was allowed to hear Ooh. it. Um, oh, me, none of the above. Anyway, <laughs> but, um, yeah, you're right. I feel like my physical health also, it was different during the pandemic, but after my, you know, little stint of covid like things were great like i was running i was working out with you guys um and for the listeners uh during the peak of the pandemic my sister and i ran a sort of fitness brand company uh class series called um Anders strong sisters where we would teach body weight hit classes a couple times a week via zoom and it was really fun and we had such a little cute community um and we also ran a couple fundraisers and then sarah francis you want to talk about your little project during yeah. the pandemic that was so fun yeah i um i started a uh really truly really, it, so it was called social distance um <laughs> and it was uh a way to bring people together just to dance because we you know we couldn't do that anymore as like a in-person thing uh, but it was also a way for me to uh, practice what I was going to teach to my students. Um, <laughs> so it was it was a good outlet. But then it grew, um, and it it grew a little bit bigger than I actually had ever thought. I really thought it was going to be like four people who maybe hop on, and then we just stopped doing it. Um, but then all of a sudden, I had friends who wanted to teach or practice stuff, and then I had some of my students who were like, "Oh, I want to also do this. I want more dance, you know, especially while I'm at home doing nothing." Like. This is great. So it turned out, you know, we danced every Tuesday. I think it was like Tuesday. And then we started adding days. Yeah. Um, and, you you know, you taught for us, I think, one night. Brianne taught for us. Um, mm-hmm. Nicole did. Uh, mm-hmm. It was nice. It was fun. Here's some more about me. Um, I went into college as a dancer. Um, mm-hmm. I had, you know, uh, what, if I was 18, subtract three, and that's how many years of dancing I had done. <laughs> and <laughs> I was 16? No, that's that's 15? not math. 15. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> but like just nonstop dance between classical ballet training, um, rhythm tap, show tap, uh, jazz, hip hop, modern you know, I've even had like African in there. I had like all this other stuff, like I trained in, um, and as you, a dancer. And, and when you say you did that, you, I just want to clarify and emphasize, like, I also probably had about 15 years of dance training, but I did dance to supplement my musical theater. Whereas I feel like with you, it was just like your concentration like yes you did the other things but it was more accessories the other stuff exactly and that's well because I came into musical theater a little differently I think like um so 
for me, I, I, I started off as a dancer. I, I was in classes. I was in competitions by the age of like three, like started competitions when I was like eight. Um, and then I transitioned from a competition studio to dancing at the Atlanta ballet and training. Um, and then I hit a kind of breaking point there because I'd always been a bigger dancer, which is like another thing that I kind of identify as is uh, a mid-sized dancer. Like I'm not, I'm not like a physically bigger. dancer. Yes. Yes. Yeah. yeah just size wise. Um, you know, I've always had like a little bit of a ballet, but like I'm very in shape. Like I'm not like I I have I got cardio in me. Um <laughs> I know. Oh, I know. I have danced with you. I'm like since my first semester at school when we did whatever that dance club thing oh, was. Oh yeah, pure alignment. Pure alignment, yes. And I remember like that was my first impression of you just like being so impressed with how you were just going 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 and I had just come from a summer of working as a dancer at Six Flags um, oh, yeah. and doing what like six to eight shows a day and then I was in shows outside of there so I was in Hairspray where I was I mean that's a whole other story um, uh, where I was every um, I was in every number except two so I was like, wow, I feel like I have a good amount of cardio, a good amount of stamina. And then I come in and I see you in some <laughs> of our classes and I'm like, damn, like also like you're so technical. Meanwhile, I I kind of talked about this when I uh, talked to Tabitha, um, but I am someone who... I utilize ballet as sort of my baseline, like my shredded wheat, so I could be better at all the other styles, but I did not enjoy ballet starting when I started having Russian teachers. So I feel like in terms of that, like I come at dance from such a different perspective because you are so solid with your technique and your ballet and everything, and it's just so inspiring. Meanwhile, I try to... (laughs) find the technique to put into the movement if that makes sense yeah no it, it completely does it's 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 actually it's very interesting so like I, you know I, I danced I was at the Atlanta Ballet for a while I, I got to a point where I couldn't move up anymore because they're like you have to lose weight and it I wasn't finding joy in ballet like that anymore I loved it that's I so point. problematic yeah oh god it's a huge issue I mean it really it I'm very fortunate the fact that it didn't affect me as hard as it should have um yeah uh, like I have, I have a little bit of an, of an ED and it's not, you know, it's not uh, trigger warning. Sorry. Um, but, uh, mine is in the binge eating and, uh, we can, we'll get into that a little bit more as we yeah. talk more about who I am and like how that is hardcore affected parts of my, bo- like my mind and my, my life. But, um, like I, you know, I was also fortunate enough that I had a community outside of that. So like after I left the Atlanta ballet, which gave me almost all of my technique. And I'm very grateful for that. And I, I, I really do love ballet. I absolutely love the style. I think it's gorgeous. Um, it's just, it's also rooted so hard in racism and so hard in fat phobia that it's like one of the big things that like me as an educator now I'm trying to really break. Um, yeah. And so, you know, those were the things that I was noticing. And then like, I went to a different studio that was run by like a family friend who was like a hardcore dancer and like I got more training and I, I got connections that like really helped me like in the Atlanta area. By the way, I'm from Atlanta. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, That's why Atlanta ballet, I guess. <laughs> oh, yeah, oh yeah, that part. I forgot. Yeah, yeah. 
but then I went to a performing arts high school where I, you know, I was dancing. I was a dance major. Um, and I had done musical theater, like, in middle school. Uh, it was very interesting. I remember auditioning for my high school because it, it was an audition program. And they asked us, who are your favorite dancers? And I was like, Gene Kelly. Mind you, I didn't know about uh, half of the other stuff about his actual life. But that man can dance. He can uh, dance. That is a correct statement. <laughs> and, uh, and I was like, oh, Gene Kelly. They were like, oh, we don't usually get that answer. I was like, oh, I like musical theater dancers. And they were like, oh, okay. They're like, but you ballet? I was like, yeah, I ballet. But I like musical theater. Because um, that's what I grew up watching. Like, I, my parents, you know, my, my parents were really, like, huge arts appreciators, which I'm so grateful for. Um, so, like, at a young age, I was, like, watching Sweet Charity, like, on the recorded, like, VHS that I did. And, like, watched that every night. And I would sing it every night. And, mind you, I did not have a voice before I got to college. Um, I, I had a little one, but not really. Um, and so, oh, like. There's uh, nothing little about your voice now. <laughs> oh Girl God. can sing. Crying. Um, but like, you know, that's the stuff, like I, I, I had a competition dance too, if my friends could see me now and it was like a tap dance and I placed almost everywhere I went. Like that was, that was what I had learned to learn from. And like, I was very fortunate that my tap teacher who was like essentially a second mother to me and like helped raise me like with my mom, like my, my, my dad was there, which is my, my mom and her best friends. Um, but, uh, you know, like that was just that's what they showed me I learned Chicago I learned all these things really young I remember being like 10 years old and my mom's like oh I got tickets to rent and she's like I think I'm gonna take you and then she goes just kidding I'm not I was like oh okay and then I learned (laughs) later why like two years later when the movie like we watched the movie she goes yeah this is why I was like oh yeah no I don't think I would have appreciated that as a 10 year old I would have been very confused (laughs) um that's funny because my mom had absolutely no basis in musical theater until I you know, I don't know, like instantly became infatuated, obsessed, like after watching my first Shirley Temple movie and being like, that's what I want to do. That's who I want to be. And so she was like, okay, I don't know anything about this, but like, I'm going to support it. And I remember I was in some camp and one of my instructors was in a show at the now defunct, um, I think it's Chesapeake Dinner Theater. I think that was what it was called. Mm. Um, But she was in Greece there. And uh, I think Chesapeake was like a competitor of Toby's um, Dinner Theater, just to put things in reference at the time. I believe I was about seven or eight. My mom took me to see Greece. My mom did not. My mom, being my mom, would never, never have taken me to see Greece if she knew anything about <laughs> Greece. But she, all she knew was that um, it was a musical. It was famous. There was a movie with John Travolta, Olivia Newton-John, and that my older sister had grown up and had been obsessed with it and to the point where my dad hated it because my older sister would come home from school every day and watch it. Oh. Um, but that's all my mom knew. And then she took me to see it. And then she was like, oh, my goodness. <laughs> this is not appropriate. So I think, like, for the next, like, couple of days, week or so, I every day on the way home from wherever, I would get a little, like, talk. Like, okay, so just so you know, that's not how we're <laughs> supposed to live our lives. <laughs> and that is not necessarily the way that God and Jesus wants us wow. to go about um, our daily lives and everything. And then she also took my sister and I to see West Side Story um, Love it. without knowing 
what happened in it. And I believe I was, I want to say I was about 10, 11, maybe at the time. So that means my sister was three years younger. And she took us because we were in a show. I think we were in Cinderella with somebody who was, the guy was riff in, um, in West Side Story. And that is a heavy, heavy show for small Oh, my children. parents sat me down and we watched that movie. Like, that's yeah. so funny, so interesting. Because, like, for, I think, it, I was also the youngest of four kids. Uh-huh. And the arts were, like, a huge thing in our family. Like, every, all, my sister danced. My brothers both played instruments. I was, like, apparently my mom used to tell me the story of, like, how I was, like, two years old. And I was, like, Mom, I want to dance. And the next thing she knows, she put me in dance school, which it, the same place <laughs> my, the same exact place my sister trained. So it was, like, really, like, kind of a, kind of a full circle moment. My sister and I are 18 years apart. Oh, um, just like my brother and I. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and but my dad was a musician, so my dad like so is mine. <laughs> my dad was a pianist and an uh, organist, and so oh, not mine. <laughs> my family, but my dad could also you threw an instrument at that man and he played it. It was annoying, and I hated him for it every day. Yeah, so did my dad could also do that. My dad had perfect um, relative pitch. Yep. So and he was such a. Uh, pedagogical technician and um, so you can imagine like asking for feedback for any singing I ever did was always an experience (laughs) for me my dad so my dad was like a folk musician and like like, in high school had a Beatles cover band and in college had like a Beatles and like Temptations cover band mind you this is like white men in West Virginia Um, oh my god (laughs) And then my dad was doing the same thing, but Go-Go in D.C. and Go-Go cover tribute. Um, And then it was a lot of funk and what have you, but they were based in D.C. Oh, my God. Like the college circuit in West Virginia. And then he ended up going to the Vietnam War. But uh, wow, just, yeah, it's so so funny. But, But my dad wanted me to play piano and he wanted me to play like him, but I couldn't do it. I didn't have the ear he had. And so then he's like, okay, well, then let me just introduce you to the music. And then I would start singing, like, Janis Joplin. He goes, wow, not your thing. I was like, no, but I like it. It's good, Dad. I'll sit here and listen to it with you. But no, I do not sound like Janis Joplin. I sound like a little musical theater kid. Um, so, so but funny. my mom my mom is also, like, super into the arts, too, because, she, I mean, she would tell me stories about, like, going to see, like, going to see Thoroughly Modern Millie at the Fox, you know, the, the movie version. Like, they would screen it at the Fox Theater, which is, like, our big historical it's like our um our version of the national kind of situation okay um and it's like a touring venue and like as a kid my whole dream was to perform at the fox and so like i'd always like i'd get in the car and be like did anybody from the fox call to tell me i'm performing and my mom would be like (laughs) no uh but when i made it into the nutcracker with the atlanta ballet before they moved it over to the the Cobb energy center i i was so excited i remember getting the like phone call like I, i like popped into the car i was sitting in the car my mom goes you got the call i was like what i'm like 10 years I'm like in fifth grade yeah I guess it was like fifth grade when I did the Nutcracker you said it was fifth or sixth grade um and so like I was like a little mouse running around I also had pneumonia it was a terrible experience but also (laughs) amazing um I'm pretty sure I spread pneumonia to the entire cast it's fine um if anybody is listening from the um 2005 version of the Nutcracker uh I'm sorry if you got pneumonia my bad um oh my goodness Sarah Francis our lives are like 
eerily parallel and like I knew that they were in many ways but I'm learning so many more ways I also peaked when I was in fifth grade (laughs) (laughs) because that's the first time of several times which I is so random but first time I performed at the Kennedy Center (laughs) in the opera house um for my Prince George's County Honors Course. We love. We live. We love. And yeah, and as you know, because you have been there, you have done it several more times because you have also performed at the Kennedy Center <laughs> with me in several of those times. Um, okay, but let's rewind back because we're kind of getting into it anyway. So, yes. Sarah Francis, uh, you are such an interesting human. I I know so much about you and there are so many amazing elements of who you are and your identity that we could talk about. But let's zero in on one and then kind of see how that identity has affected so many other elements of who you are. Yeah. Sarah Francis, what are you? What am I? What are you? What I... is the topic? What is the, the topic? The topic of the day is um, uh, my dead parents. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I Woo! put it that way because I only cope through humor. Um. <laughs> same. And then tears. But yeah. um, same, same, same. But, okay, amazing. I mean, not amazing, but like, this is <laughs> such an important topic. And I feel like something that I have felt, and I don't know if you have felt similarly, but... You are one of the few people outside my family that I feel like I can just speak freely about loss and grief and loss of parents um, specifically without worrying about making you feel uncomfortable. And if I am wrong, if I make you feel uncomfortable ever, (laughs) okay, I apologize. Well, it's also, it's one of those things too where like, we were both really young really when young. it happened. And, like, y- you sit here and, you, 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 you know, I'm now 29 and I'm like, oh, I feel ancient, um, <laughs> but I know I'm right. not. Uh, but, like, it, it's – you sit here and go, wow, I'm only 29. And, and when everything happened for me and I lost my parents, I was 24. And yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Can you yeah. tell us a story about that? Of course I can. Um, so when I was – um, my parents have, my parents are both are a little bit on the older side. Um, but, uh, you know, as I mentioned already, I was like the youngest four. My, my oldest sister was 18 years older than me. Then it's like 18, 16 and 14 years between me and my other siblings. And so, um, my parents had always been a little bit on the older side, but their health has always not been that great. You know, my dad was a smoker starting from like the age of 12. He grew up on a tobacco farm. So like part of the job was, you know, selling the stuff and like getting it ready and like, they had a farm, you know, it was West Virginia farm life. And my mom, uh, you know, grew up, you know, was in college in the seventies and everybody smoked. And, um, so, you know, there was things that people didn't really understand that there was repercussions from that. Like it was cool and you looked awesome, but like in the end, it's just not a healthy habit. Um, and so my mom, uh, when I was in, I think it was probably, sophomore like going into my sophomore year of high school because I remember being in uh Savannah at a friend's house of mine um actually my dance teacher was talking about uh her daughter and I were like best friends 
And like we grew up together doing dance together in the summer. So I would go to her place and help teach a princess dance camp. Um, and then I, I got a phone call and my mom was like in the hospital and I was like, oh my gosh, what's going on? So it turns out she had like, she was closing these Disney stores. My mom worked at the Disney store for like 10 years. And so at one point there was a whole bunch of stores closing before all of them did. And she was like coughing a lot and like couldn't breathe. And so she ended up in the hospital and they were like, oh, well, she's on breathing treatments. Like it's fine now. We think it was just like the mildew. And I was like, okay, that's really strange. Um, if my mom's the only one really being affected by cleaning up these stores and closing them and stuff. Um, so then Fast forward, uh, our freshman year of college, um, my mom ends up in the hospital again. She falls and breaks a rib um, because she was, like, leading the, the parade. Uh, my mother was a very Disney lady. Uh, and so um, she falls because uh, she doesn't want to hit a kid, so she ends up breaking a rib. And they notice something, but they don't really do anything about it. And my mom takes a really long time to heal. And it's, it's interesting. So we're like kind of confused about it. And like my mom's health starts kind of declining from that point. And it was something we kind of noticed, but we didn't really like say anything about. And like my mom at that time had actually just lost her health care because of the, uh, we were unfortunate enough that when Obamacare kicked in, we lost our health care. The Disney company decided that anybody below like a management status was no longer going to have it. And so we were kind of flying by the seat of our pants in life there. My dad was a VA, but he, it only applied to him because of the weird way the VA benefits work. Um, so, you know, my mom is doing as best as she can. She, you know, she walks a little slower. We're noticing these things. By the time my senior year rolls around, I'm noticing even more that her health has declined. And so about a year after I graduate, my mom is supposed to come up and see me in a show. I'm in year in town with Monumental Theater Company. And it was like a big show for me. Um, it was a small cast. I was singing. I was dancing. I was also production managing. I was also associate choreographer. Like this was like a, a, a big show for me. And mm -hmm. I was like, it was a great cast. I was really excited about it. My mom's supposed to come up and she's like, Hey, I can't come. I'm like, what? This isn't like her. My mom comes to everything. And so yes, she sure uh, did. <laughs> my mom, like, and my mom came to other people's stuff. Like my, that's who my mom was. Like your mom, was, I like, think was at my recital. Oh, One she of was. Them? Yeah, she was. Uh, both of them? I don't know. One of, uh, I don't know. I remember her there. <laughs> yeah, no, my mom was like, oh, no, those are your friends? Great, I'm going. Like, she, my mom was a mom to everybody, uh, even in college. And, like, my high school friends can attest even more to that. Like, mm -hmm. my mom, my mom was your mom because um, she wanted to make sure everybody had a parent or somebody who supported them. That was her big thing, and I 100% got that from her. But, so, mm -hmm. flash forward 2016, my mom is uh, – she's in and out of the hospital because she's having problems breathing. She like breathing treatments aren't working. And then August of 2016, she's diagnosed with small cell lung cancer. Um, we're told pretty much that it is completely incurable. There's almost like no research done on it. Mind you, my mom had quit smoking for 10 years by that point. So they're almost like a hundred percent positive. That's the cause of it. And, but they can't technically tell us that. So, we're like, great. We have, there were like, how much time do we have? Like, what do we have to do? Like, what's the thing? They're like, well, we can, we can start treating it because they don't really have that much research on this. And small cell though, all they know is it's the most aggressive. Um, mm. And uh, so she starts doing uh, radiation. Radiation just kind of pauses stuff. So we're like, all right, that's, that's better than what it could be. She does chemo. It, it, kind of lowers her stuff a little bit she's got so she's got a, a mass the size of a grapefruit in her left lung I want to say it is oh my god yeah so this woman could not breathe I don't know how the hell she was alive to that point 
Um, but she was a strong lady and that's why. But um, so, you know, we're, we're at kind of a standstill at the end of that year. And we're like, we don't know what we're going to do. And she gets told that there's an experimental drug and she either is going to get the placebo or the actual drug. And I was like, mom, you have to do it. And she goes, I'm not. And I was like, I'm going to move back to Atlanta. I'm going to come take care of you. And we're going to do this. She looks me dead in the eyes. And, and at that point, I had just received a contract for my first show at a theater. I'd been wanting to work out for years. And um, she goes, I will absolutely not do this unless you sign that contract and you go do that show. And I was like, are you kidding me? Like, <laughs> what? Absolutely not. And she's like, then I'm not doing it. And so... She's like, you're not putting your life on hold. You've been working really hard. At that point, I was, I was primarily an actor. And I actually, right, right, right when my mom got sick, she and I had made a, a deal together. She goes, I want you to actually be able to pursue this because I had been working six million jobs, also acting, also like dog walking. I was doing so much and I couldn't focus on, on doing it. And my parents were like, you know, we'll give you one year. You can have one year where we will really help you, support you. And I, when I tell you that, it was the most grateful thing I'd ever, I've, I've ever been. Um, so they were like, we'll give you one year. When that one year mark started, I quit all my jobs, and that's when my mom was diagnosed. And I was like, "Well, just kidding. Um, I'm I'm gonna definitely not be doing this." Um, so I still worked as an actor when my mom was sick. Um, you know, she took the drug. She got really fortunate in the fact that she ended up having the drug, and it added about probably like half a year more of life to, for her. Um, we got we ended up getting a lot more time than we thought we were going to. Um, at one point, uh, it was actually my birthday. Um, the day after my birthday, uh, she got a clean bill. They were like, you have no cancer on your, on your scan. And that was, we were, we were told we were never going to hear that. So yeah. it was a huge deal. I remember um, that. Was, yeah. We oh didn't know how God. to feel about it. Cause my mom at that point, actually, by the time she got the results from that CAT scan, wasn't feeling good. Um, she goes, this is strange. I, I believe you all, but I don't because I feel something on my side. And we then, you know, flash forward to October of that year, we later find out that her cancer had spread and <sighs> it had spread by that point. And it was in her pink, uh, in her pancreas and it was in her, um, and then we later find out at around, um, November, uh, Thanksgiving day, actually, she ends up in the hospital. She has three brain tumors. Oh and God. so it had spread to her brain. Um, and my, cause my mom had also, her motor skills had started to decline very rapidly, um, I end up, I'm in a show at Riverside, um, yeah. theater that I've been working at. Um, and, uh, I ended up working a deal out where we ended up getting me an understudy and I was in and out of the show the whole process. Um, they were, I was so fortunate, like usually in a, in another situation where you don't know this theater, you don't know these people, I would have been fired. Um, they were really, really kind about the whole thing. And they let me Which is, out. wait, I just want to pause there and say, yes. You would have been and that is horrible mm -hmm. <laughs> that you would have been but that's just the nature of the industry and yeah. I don't think that that has really changed in the past couple of years of a not lot of political change no definitely not regional but I don't think even I, I don't even think like an off-Broadway or Broadway would be super amenable to that maybe Broadway because they invest so much in you at that point but yeah I'm not I don't know but that's that's really terrible, but I'm so glad that they weren't like that. And oh, just yeah. to clarify, was that the Christmas show or yes. were you in? Okay. That yeah. was Christmas Spectacular. So yeah. the first show I did was Saturday Night Fever, the one that where my yes. mother looked at me dead in the eyes and went, you've, I paid too much money and you, you've worked way too fucking hard. You're going to do this and you're mm -hmm. going to be an actor and you're going to do the thing. 
Um, and I was like, okay. Uh, and my mom almost died during that time because there were some complications with things. Uh, but then again, things got better. She actually ended up being able to come up to visit. Um, it was a really weird time when my mom came to visit because it was actually when Luke passed away. And so it was like this yeah. whole thing of like, oh my God, I don't know how to feel about any of this. And then, you know, then she ends up, you know, we get to the Christmas, we find out there's more cancer um, and it's bad. And so she ends up going in for surgery. I open the show that morning. <laughs> we have a, a Wednesday matinee. I open it. I hop on a plane. Um, I have some woman at the airport tell me, ask me, well, so what do you do? I go, I'm, I'm like sitting there drinking like a glass of wine, just trying to freaking get to Atlanta. And I was like, oh, I'm an actor. I literally just opened a show. I had my makeup on and everything still. And cause I literally left the show, went straight to the airport. Wow. And, and she was like, oh, you're an actor. Like, but what do you really do? I was like, I, I literally make money. I literally opened a show. I make money being an actor. I don't know what you want from me. And because at that point, that's what I identified as. I was a performer. I was an actor. I was a dancer. I was a choreographer. That is what I was. And that's like one like snowball of an identity. It's like you can't have one without all the other little pieces. Exactly. And like this woman just really could not comprehend the fact that I was like, nope, that's how I make money. Thank you. Um, Because at that point, I really didn't have another job. That was the only place I was working. And um so I get down there, she has her surgery, you know, and it was, it was probably one of the saddest things I've ever seen in my life to be like completely frank, watching my mother go into there. Cause the only thing she asked for was her parents. And you're like, Oh my God, my mother just asked for her mother. Like I don't, and my grandparents were alive at that time. So like it was, it was hard, but my grandparents couldn't go to the, the hospital. My grandmother, like essentially after she got her hip replaced in 2011, never left the house. Um, uh, she was like so afraid of hurting herself. So like she never left. My grandfather never left my grandmother's side. Um, and so like that was the thing, you know, it was like so depressing, so sad. And then so she has the surgery. It's successful up until a point. Um, they were able to remove all the cancer from her brain, but she ended up having a stroke uh, almost immediately after she got out of surgery. My dad talked to her for 0.5 seconds and then immediately had a stroke. Um, so She's in ICU for like weeks. Um, you know, I'm, I open that show. She has the surgery. I go back to the show. I was like, okay, she had the surgery. We're not really sure what's happening. She's in ICU. And because I have to work, I have to make money because my dad's not really working at that time. And so we have no way of getting money into our family. And um, so because my dad was a, my dad was in construction um, and my mom worked at the Disney store. And so like, at that point, she was trying to retire from the Disney store because she had, she had made it to the amount of years, literally right when she goes into freaking surgery. So um, she's, you know, then my dad's a project manager for a construction company. And, you know, he's not able to be on the job because he's, I, I, the only thing I'd asked him was like, please make sure mom is never alone. That's the one thing she's asked for. Please make sure she's never alone. And so I have all this guilt because I'm never there. Um, and so, you know. Because you're in Maryland and Virginia. And- yep. He there in Atlanta. Yeah, I mean, yeah. thankfully, I was very fortunate. Of my friends from high school, my their moms came to go. Like, uh, like my best friend Sarah, her mom was like at the hospital almost every day, reading to my mom. Like, mm-hmm. she had friends who were there to visit. Like, my mother was a very loved woman, um, mm-hmm. and uh, so it was. You know, she was never really alone. But I just had so much guilt because I was the one who was there for my mom when a lot of stuff happened in our lives, and so. Anyways, I'm going back and forth. Uh, eventually, you know, I'm told I got to come back on my weekend and I'm gone for a couple of days uh, of the show because we have to sign all the paperwork and bring my mom into hospice and we're deciding when to pull the plug. And so we 
we we make that decision. Um, my dad has so much guilt because he's like, are we doing enough? I was like, we can't do anything else. They had done an MRI at that point. Her pancreas had been completely black. And once your pancreas is gone, you're gone. Like, yeah. um, it, there's just no coming back from that. So, you know, and, and clearly she was ready to go. Um, so we get, in, you know, she's in hospice. It's a Thursday. I'll never forget. It's Thursday. Uh, Thursday, December 14th. And um, my boyfriend at the time was with me. So I was very fortunate of that. And um, you know, I was like, I don't think she'd want me to be here when it happens. So I'm going to go ahead and go and I'm going to go do a show tonight. That is the only thing I know how to do. I know how to go and be in a show. And, and we knew she was going to die. Like this was something that was known back in 2016. So I say goodbye. I'm at the airport security line. My dad calls me and goes, well, your mother didn't want anybody to tell her what to do ever. So she decided to pass on her own. So she, she ends up passing before they even get to do it, which honestly is the only way she would want it. Like she, she would be like, F you, I'm going to do what I want. Um, so, you know, I'm in the airport security line. Like I'm expecting this to happen. Right. And so I'm like, okay, all right. And he's like, can you call your brother? So I have to call my brother, Steve. I'm like, Hey, um, I just got to let you know, mom just passed. And he's like, fuck and decides not to go to the hospital anymore it's a huge thing like my, my brothers both my brothers um have uh straight white men syndrome which means that they don't uh comprehend their uh, emotions or process them. <laughs> um so and i'm at the airport security line and i hear a dude go oh god when i tell my brother on the phone and everyone's like dude what the fuck like why did you just say that clearly this chick's mom just died um and then some guy ahead of me um goes hey, can I ask you who, who just passed? And I was like, it was my mom. He goes, oh, it doesn't get any easier. And then turns around and I was like, thanks, my dude. And I go into what? the show that night. Oh, yeah. It was so, I was just like, I was so like just dead inside that I was like, oh my God. And then I go and I do a, a show called the Riverside Christmas Spectacular yeah. where we have to be happy that it's Christmas. Um, I don't know how I do it. They, I was, they dedicated the show to my mom. It's so beautiful. Um, and you know, cause this had become a community for me. I still have best friends who live down there and do shows there every, you know, freaking season. And so I was, I was very fortunate to be surrounded by the people I was surrounded by. Um, and everyone was like, we don't know how to talk to you. I was like, yeah, that's fine. You don't have to. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I actually ended up, it was a dinner theater. So I ended up waiting tables the next night and they're like, oh yeah. Like, are you in the show? I was like, yeah, yeah. yeah. And if the only thing I know how to say is my mom just died. Uh, because all of a sudden that became my identity yeah that was the only thing I could I could identify as anymore now I was like oh I'm the chick with a dead mom then my dad gets sick my dad comes up and visits he's really sick beforehand my brother actually had to like he was supposed to be on his way to the hospital and my brother had to like go and take care of him for a day and then my dad shows up and he's clearly really sick but he's so excited to be there my dad hadn't seen me perform since I was in Pinkalicious at Adventure which was like in 2014 yeah, and, and we're at 2017 right now, right? Yeah. So, like, because my dad didn't see any of my recitals because he couldn't come. Like, he hadn't seen any of my professional shows. Like, this was the first one that he could see. And so, um, my, you know, he's so excited. He comes and sees the show, like, six times, as many times as he can. And Christmas Day happens, and my dad's like, I'm so sick. And we were supposed to go spend it with my boyfriend and his family. My dad's like, I can't. He's like, I can't be around people. I was like, you know what? That's fine, dad. Like... Brian will come over. And so Brian ended up coming over after Christmas with his family and did Christmas with us. And like, 
you know, my dad, but my dad is clearly really sick. And so my dad leaves and he's like, I'm going to go to the like doctor because he's supposed to get cataract surgery. And my dad's doctors were in Tennessee with my aunt because the VA hospital in Atlanta is shit. Don't ever go. Um, okay. So <laughs> uh, like they tried to amputate my dad's leg, which was not needed. Like that's like, what? yes. Oh God. It was a whole thing. I had to like call VA hospitals because my dad just like wasn't coming home for like eight hours. It was awful. Um, oh my God. So don't go to that one. So my dad's going to Tennessee and I get a phone call two days before close. The show's supposed to close. That goes, you need to come to Tennessee right now. You need to come to Chattanooga. Your dad's in the hospital. I was like, what? Um, turns out um, my dad had sepsis. So my dad had pneumonia and it turned into sepsis. And so I have to go to Chattanooga immediately. And I miss the last two shows. And I find out when I'm like, I'm at a bar. It's the first time I've gone out since my mom had died. It's the first time I was like, I'm going to go have fun. And I get that phone call. And it's, you've got to come to Tennessee right now. So I hop on a plane literally the next morning. I go to Chattanooga, which is already really hard to get to if you're, like, not flying into Atlanta and then driving or flying into Nashville and driving. So um, I fly down. My dad is on a, you know, has the freaking incubator, incubator. There we go. I don't know what it's called. Anyways, mm-hmm. he's freaking got the tube down his throat um Mm -hmm. and so i'm in chattanooga for probably about a week uh i do new year's there and i was also very fortunate again brian um came with me um my boyfriend at the time was probably the most supportive person throughout all this and that poor man i always forget too that he lost people because my parents cared for him so much um and it's, he, that's the thing. he was so sweet too. Oh God, really? At yeah. this time, he—I I mean, I will—I will back you up saying he was a great, supportive boyfriend. Yes, um, which you know, having somebody like that in your life when stuff like that's going on is 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 paramount. <laughs> oh God, yeah. Like I, it probably would have been life or death for me for what happened. So then. Um, you know, my dad starts getting better. My dad's like going to a rehab center now and he's out of the ICU and like, he's getting better. And like, I remember, um, I'm talking to my dad on the phone and I'm, I'm like, Hey dad, I'm so excited. I'm going to come visit you this week and I'm leaving tomorrow or I'm leaving in two days. Like right now I'm about to go out and I'm going to grilled cheese night. Um, like gluten-free grilled cheese night at this like, <laughs> grilled cheese restaurant in, in, in DC. And he's like, Oh, well have fun. I was like, okay, love you. Bye. Love you too. And then I get a phone call the next morning saying, you need to come to Chattanooga now. And I was like, well, I'm coming in like two days. Can't he just wait? And my aunt was like, no, you need to come now. I think he really needs you. No one told me I was flying in to sign all the paperwork for my dad to die. I was like, no one prefaced this for me. I didn't know how bad it was until I got it. Like, it, the funny thing is, is that I'm, I'm driving in with my, my friend Emily, our, fr- uh, uh, our friend Emily and, and her husband, and Brian's with me. And I was like, so- nobody's... Yeah, so oh, and, yeah. and and I'm literally we're like sitting there cracking jokes. I was like, <laughs> my dad's gonna die, right? Because it's like, no, he's not. No, that's exactly what it was. Uh. And I was like, I was like, oh my god, holy shit! So like, they were like, he's on three percent life essentially. He is functioning at three percent. Um, it was a sudden thing. Um, his sepsis was gone, but my dad was gonna eventually have to go have dialysis, and he didn't want to do that. And so, in all honesty, I think my dad died from a broken heart. Um, I just he just gave up is really what it felt like because he was just like I'm done like I've done everything I could and like and that's it and so then my dad died um <laughs> and I didn't know how to function as a human all I yeah. knew was that I was the girl with dead parents and um I you know my parent like I had a really interesting situation with my living situation like I'd moved in with my boyfriend and his family at the time 
And I also was like, I'm moving back to Atlanta to go take care of my grandparents because my parents were my grandparents' caretakers. And I felt this responsibility to go down and do it because none of my siblings were going to. They all had kids. Or my brother, Steve, who's like a 40-year-old bachelor and lives that life. Um, that is, he's not a caretaker. And I am very much a caretaker. And I've learned later in life through therapy, like, that's, that's really actually who I am. I am a caretaker. Yeah. Um, and I'm, I, I, this has is, this is required years of therapy for me now to be able to identify, like, oh, I am a caretaker. And that's why portions of my life have felt so empty is because I'm not fulfilling those needs in me. And so I go down to Atlanta. I'm living in my parents' old house, like a condo. And I live right across the street from my grandparents. So like I'm in there every morning. I'm making them coffee. I'm making them breakfast. I'm cleaning their house. Like, but it gets to a point where my grandfather then gets sick and my grandfather then passes away. And then I am told that I need to leave the house because they need to sell it because my grandparents own it. And they're like, we need to sell this. And I was like, where okay so then I move back to DC I do another show because I'm like well I'm an actor this is what I do and I am like a mess of a human like I should not have been doing that um I mean I'm glad I did because I Mm -hmm. you know again it's I was surrounded by people who loved me and who I'd been with for a year who had known me through the entire process of my mom being sick they'd only known me as my mom being sick so and they knew me with my dad like dying so I was very fortunate then my boyfriend and I break up. We were together for like three and a half years and we are like, we can't go any further. Um, so like now I really have no idea who I am because I am alone. Um, I'm homeless essentially. If it wasn't for the fact that Emily and her husband took me in, um, Mm -hmm. I'm so much credit card debt because I'd been flying. I'd been trying to take care of things. I had, I had paid for like $4,000 like vacation for my mother to go to the beach because my mother loved the beach. Um, and I don't have a job. Cause I'm like, I, I can't be an actor anymore. I don't know what to do. Like it doesn't pay. I like, yes, that is who I am. But like, I, I need to pay bills. Like I have to function because I, my parents had no will. There was no money. It was only yeah. debt. So like, it was a shift of identity. Like, uh, like you had uh, like just taking it back. You had prior to all this, like really identified as an actor, mm-hmm. dancer, singer, choreographer, production goddess of all like truly uh, I'm gonna add in a couple of things there stage manager yeah. like truly you had you you were the jack of all trades the master of all my whole life the was theater, theater space my yes. whole life was theater yes and that's all and I you knew. were very good at, not you were you are <laughs> very good at all of those things um but then the dead parents just kind of like took over that and kind of trump that identity and not to say that that identity of being an actor goddess theater extraordinaire didn't exist in you anymore but like it's like what do I prioritize like is that correct yep yeah and and also at that point I got a dog after my parents had died because I was like oh I need something because I was living in Atlanta by myself and Nikki. that's how I ended up as a dog mom, which is my number one identifier now. Um, and I'm, mine is a cat mom. The fur babies are the best. wild. Because <laughs> <laughs> I didn't ever want a cat until I literally got mine. And she is a little chaos monster, um, but yeah. I love her. I love Mickey. Mickey Dog. Mickey Dog will be five in November, and he and I will be together for five years. And it's crazy. Oh my god, that's that's wild. I've taken wild. care of a fucking animal for five. Years. 
see um Tallulah is about to turn seven in about a week and um I've had her for I guess close to two years somewhere between a year and a half and two years well cute um but anyway (laughs) yeah that shift in identity is just so interesting so where did you go from there like how did you kind of take control of your existence again because I I I know you have I know the happy continuing ending of this story (laughs) (laughs) yeah there it happens um it takes a long time so we're hitting five years after my mom died this year actually um, we're yeah. hitting the five-year mark. And I, and I know you know what those anniversaries mean. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, and it's it's crazy to think, too, that my mom was only in my life for 24 years, and now we're at five years. And there's going to be a point in time where I will have a life longer without my mother than with her. I had uh, that or, realization, I, like, this year for yeah. my dad. Um, and it's, whew, it's a lot. <laughs> yeah. And then my dad will be five years in, in, in January because my parents passed away of five weeks to the day from each other. Um, wow. So, um, yeah, it's, it, there is a happy ending. It, it takes a lot of work. Um, I, and, and it's hard, um, very hard. Uh, I was very suicidal um, for uh, a, a large time. Um, mm-hmm. And I got very close to doing something. I, 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 sat, I, I went to go see a therapist for the first time in my entire life, uh, in Jul- like June of 2019, because I ended up getting a teaching job. The thing that actually really helped me is I ended up getting a teaching job randomly. I was like, I know how to, I know how to be with kids. I don't love kids, but I know how to be with them. So maybe I'll like see if I can become a substitute teacher. And I ended up getting a job as a substitute teacher, um, as a day sub for an elementary school in Georgetown. And then it turned into, they were like, actually, we really like you. Do you have any interest in being a long-term sub? And I ended up teaching first grade. And I was like, okay, I actually really like being in a school setting. This isn't awful. I'm not making enough money, but I'm at least making consistent money. And because that's what life ended up turning into for me was like money. I was like, I need to survive and I need money to do that. And I have none. And I have like a negative number. How do I fix this? And so, you know, I was still working as a production manager at the same time. um, And I was really miserable doing it. Um, I was good, but I was miserable and I really wasn't putting that much time and effort into it as I should have been. And um, I was starting the school job at the same time. And then, you know, the school year ends and I'm like, okay, I, maybe I'll stick with this. I actually really like this. So I end up taking a contract with the school again to be the assistant pre-K teacher while I can, you know, do that and still do theater stuff on the side. I was still teaching. Um, I was uh, teaching theater and dance and I was still like production managing and I was like trying to get back into auditioning, but I really didn't have the grind in me anymore for that. But Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, I can still choreograph. Like I love making up stuff. And like, so I was working at the high school that I've been working at for seven years. And like, I was supposed to do a show actually that summer. And because I was like production managing, um, the deal that I had with the people I was living with was I had to watch their dogs when they went out of town. And so they were going out of town for like three weeks um, to go to Japan. And then I, so it like, it didn't work out for me to be able to do this show. And it was a huge, like, kind of like backstabby kind of feeling kind of moment when I had to be like, no, I'm so sorry. I can't do this. Cause they were like, well, like kind of like, how dare you? And I'm like, because I have to survive. I have to live. And no, <laughs> um, it was a very weird situation. I didn't love how it happened. Um, 
but then um, I was production managing a show. I was exhausted. I went to go see a therapist for the first time. I was so miserable because I didn't like the way she talked to me. Um, yeah. It just really triggered something in me, the way that she approached me. And um, I really flipped a switch in my system. I, I was... I, I was just so unhappy. It was so miserable. And to a point where like, I was, I was sitting at a table I, and I'm just sitting there and staring and I've got the dogs around me. I'm in the house by myself. And I'm calling, I called the suicide hotline and I, I was like, I called and hung up. I called and hung up. I called and hung up because I, in the end I didn't want to talk to somebody because I was like, what am I doing? Like, where am I? What is happening? And then I call my sister my sister and I don't have the best relationship. Um, it used to be a lot of competition between us, even though we're 18 years apart, but, but there was just a, a huge thing. And like, I called my sister. I was like, you just, I was like, I need help. And like, she really just didn't understand. She's like, you're gonna be fine. You're gonna be fine. I was like, Joni, you don't understand. Like, I'm not okay right now. I'm sitting here and I can't get up. I can't mm -hmm. get out of this chair. And I'm supposed to be at the theater like in 20 minutes. And I live 45 minutes away from the theater and I'm not there yet. And, like, I have responsibilities. I have people I'm, who need me. And I'm just sitting here and staring. And it's tech week for the show. And I'm not sleeping. I'm having all these issues. And I, I'm calling a friend almost every night being like, I don't know what to do, dude. Like, I, you're the only person who, who, like, knows what's going on. And he's, like, still in my life prevalent right now. And, and he, I was like, can you please come to the theater? I was like, can you come to the theater and, and help me with something? And my, mind you, at this time, I'm not asking anybody for help. I, I refuse to. I like. I have to do this all on my own because mm -hmm. I don't want to burden anybody with the fact that they're dealing with the girl with two dead parents, and that's all they see when they see me. That's what I thought everybody saw me as was the two. They're like, "Oh my god, you're so strong to still be here." Like, I don't even know how. And I'm like, I hate that. Like, <laughs> the, uh, you're so you. strong. Mm, eh, we'll we'll talk, get him yeah. about it a little bit, <laughs> but you know. So all, all I could see was the girl with two dead parents, and that's what people saw me as. You know, they're like, and that's, and that really pissed me off. Like I, I kind of isolated myself from people who really knew me because I, I just didn't want to be pitied. Mm -hmm. And cause that's what it felt like is that I was constantly being pitied by the theater community because I, you know, that's, everyone's like, well, we know you, but like, holy shit, that's a lot to go through. Shouldn't you take a break? And I was like, don't I need to make money? And yeah. so I called this friend and the thing that, like, oddly enough, woke me up out of it, I would love to be like, it was my dog. I needed to care for him. Now, that thing kept me alive. But really, what happened is I'm trying to fix some stuff that was, like, just done not well. And I am with my friend. And I'm like, hey, can you measure? I'll go cut. And so I go up to the table saw. I'm going upstairs. And next thing I know is my left thumb is in it. It's in the <laughs> table saw. And I was like, the tip of my thumb is gone. <laughs> what? I'm not crying. I'm not screaming. I, I yell out. I'm like, hey, hey, Matt, Matt. Um, and he can't hear me. Uh, and I'm like, do I keep working or do I go to the hospital? I don't know what to do. And I'm not in pain at this point. I'm in shock, but I'm not because I'm, I'm, just, I'm just like, that's gone. It's gone. It's, it's, it's totally gone. And I was like, I should probably... Uh, and I eventually make my way downstairs because I find paper towels in the shop. And I'm like, okay. I go downstairs. So I was like, hey, take a look at this. I chopped the tip of my thumb off. And he was like, what? I was like, yeah. 
I also couldn't tell you the last time I had a tetanus shot. And he goes, what? I was like, do you think I could keep working? And he's like, absolutely not. Rushes me. And like, mind you, I'm also like, he ends up driving my car. And I was like, I should have just driven. I should have just driven. But he's also holding my thumb because by that point, the shock is worn off. And I was like, oh my God. Oh my God, my tip of my fucking thumb is gone. And I'm freaking out now. I was like, I don't know when I had a tetanus shot. And I also remember another thing to go with this whole dead parent thing is that I don't know where any of my medical records are. I know where none of them are. I have no idea. So all I remember is growing up is that my mom would tell me that when I got my immunization shots as a a six-month-old baby, the DPT, I got the P of the shots. And that's where they stopped. And it's like pertussis or whatever. I don't even remember. And I had an allergic reaction. So I was like, mom, but the T is tetanus. What? Like, okay. Like, so I, I have no one. I, and they're like, can you call somebody? I was like, no. I, I was like, all I know is that I'm allergic to something, some immunization. I, I had an allergic reaction to it as a baby. And they stopped giving me those shots. And I don't know what it is. I called my sister. I called my brother. They're like, no, we have no fucking clue. My sister was out of the house. Like, my sister's 18 year old. And then my 14 year old brother was causing trouble. Nobody knows. Yeah. Like, so I'm sitting there and so they have to, they have to keep me for like a couple of hours to watch me. And I, 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 Beth comes to the hospital, our friend Beth, who's the, the managing director of the theater. And is like, I was like, Beth, I'm going to come back. She goes, absolutely fucking not. Yeah. You're going home. And I was like, no, this is all I have. And I, I, finally they both look at me and they're like, you're going home. I was like, okay. And like, Matt drives me home. I'm like, just like in this whole moment of shock. And like, that is the thing that woke me up. It was like, oh my God, I actually got hurt. I need to take care of myself. And I end up, I got really fortunate. I got an old paid expense, like workshop weekend of seeing shows and going to New York. And I was like, right, this is what I do. I teach. I, and I'm, I'm realizing now that I'm a teacher and like, I'm, I'm like, oh my God, I don't, I don't do this other half anymore. I, I just, I, I teach people about theater. I dance and I teach people about theater. And it was like this whole moment of like, oh, wow, we need to figure out how this works in our lives. I become the assistant pre-K teacher. Um, I lose my grandmother in the middle of it. (laughs) Uh, And I was like, dear God almighty. Um, So my my grandmother passes away. And we're very fortunate that we were able to have even an extra year with her um, after my grandfather had died. And so, you know, October of 2019 is the last time I've been to Atlanta. And um, because I went for her funeral and I hadn't been since because I was like, oh, in 2020, I was like, I'm not going to go to Atlanta for Christmas. I need to stay away for a little bit. Um, I tend to have some really bad habits when I go down there um, where I drink a lot. And so I was like, all right, I I cannot pick that up as a habit. (laughs) Number one, I'm poor. Number two, it's not healthy. Um, Number three, I do really dumb stuff when I'm really drunk and sad. And so, um, you know, little do we know we're not going back. I'm not going back to Atlanta at all because 2020 happens and it's the pandemic. And for the first time in my entire life, I am forced to stop working because I had just taken a job full time at at where I work now at Levine music. I was the education programs manager. I worked underneath the department chair for musical theater. And I was so excited because I was like, I'm on the right path now. I'm I'm focusing on musical theater education. Um, I'm no longer production managing. I'm no, I'm like now actually doing the thing I'm teaching and I'm, I'm studying education on my own and I'm figuring out things and like I'm taking classes and I was like this is great and then the pandemic happens yep and 
honestly, I start to kind of thrive in this situation because I'm, I'm taking a moment to actually stop and think. And at this point in my life, my grief was not integrated at all. Um, I was still really defined by it. And um, I end up finding a therapist that I love. And I'm so sad because she's leaving me now because she's like wants to take care of her child. Oh, the worst. No, I'm so proud of her. No, that's so good. Yeah, Yeah. she's like, I want to be with my family more. And she's like taking care. She like wants to work with um, people with a little more a little bit of a different trauma than mine. Like they like drug abusers and those who are like in a a different scenario. And without this woman, I would not have been able to be like, my grief is integrated. And now I know what I identify as, and it is a caretaker. And that's beautiful. That is like the biggest portion of me now is that I realize I love working with people. I love, um, I love teaching. I absolutely love it. I hate the admin part of my job and marketing and all that. (laughs) But I love working with my students. I love working with their parents to figure out what is the best thing for them. You know, I've, I've taught, I've taught a wide variety of students and, and I realized like, that's what it is. I love to take care of my friends. I love to take care of my dog. I love taking care of my students. And like, there was a point in time where like a portion of, of being a caretaker was not fulfilled in me. And over the summer, I even looked into like fostering children and I don't have the right scenario to do it. And I think I have the right temperament for it. And I have the right ability to be like, yeah, I'll take care of you for a hot minute. And like, I remember being a kid and I told my mom, cause my choir teacher who got me into musical theater, um, he was a part of this organization called Chris Kids, who uh-huh. they're, the organization itself, they did a fundraiser every year. My mom and I always went to the show and they're, the organization took care and like took in LGBTQ plus, um, at this point it was only LGBT, um, and I think it's actually only LGB, uh, uh, maybe, maybe just the L and the G. Um, but uh-huh. you know, this was like early 2000s. Uh, so um, their whole thing is, is that they took the youth who were kicked out of their homes because their parents wouldn't accept them. And oh. they took these kids and I was like, mom, I want to do something like that. Like I, I want to be that kind of person because my mom was that kind of person. I later found out in life that my sister had a boyfriend in high school whose mom and grandmother was abusive to him and he lived in our house. Like that's wow. who my that's who my mom was, and my dad did the same thing for all my friends. My dad would go and pick up my best friend who lived forty five minutes away from us and bring her to my house, or would go pick her up and drive her to school. Like that is who my family was. Like we did everything for everybody, and like my my parents helped pay for um, a good friend of mine to have an experience with me where we got to perform at Carnegie Hall, and my mom was like, "We'll help, we'll do it." Like you know, that's, and my parents volunteered all the time. And like, that's just who they were. My mom was an educator first. My mom was a teacher for 30 something years, um, mm-hmm. before she like, you know, worked at the Disney store. And so it, I, I realizing more and more like, that's how I've integrated them into my life is by being that kind of person that they were, you know, and everybody I, has their oh, faults. Sorry. Oh no, no, yeah. you're good. I, like, everybody has their faults and their, their things that, you know, as a human, they're not great at, but like, learning more and more like I do have those parts of my family still integrated in me between my dad who would give the shirt off his back to somebody and my mother who would nurse them back like that is that is like how I've realized that I am actually I'm I guess a fast-talking millennial (laughs) but I'm a caretaker What Are You? was created and produced by me, Angeliza. Check us out on Instagram at whatareyou_pod underscore pod for cute content from today's episode. 
If you enjoyed this episode, please go to your favorite podcast app and follow, like, subscribe, review, and turn on new episode notifications so that you don't miss a second. I'll be back in your ears on Tuesday with a second part of my conversation with Sarah Francis. And don't forget, keep sparkling, you gorgeous little diamond.